A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Before we get into the podcast today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about why I'm doing this podcast. You know what I love more than making queer Christian content. It's actually connecting with people like you, queer Christians and allies from across the country who are learning what it is to be fearlessly authentic humans, what it is to wrestle with our faith, and what it is to ask the question and not always have the answer. It's been an amazing few years of blogging and podcasting and now jumping on the YouTube train. And it's just been two years And because of the support I've had, we, not just me, but we have been able to reach thousands of people with a good word about who they are and how God loves them. And that's why this month I've been asking folks to join me in making more possible. So if you haven't heard already, or if you don't know, I'm looking for 100 people to join me in creating content at $7 a month. We've had 10 folks join up to become sustaining partners for the coming month, which is incredible and I'm so thankful, but it is far from the goal that I set. And maybe that goal is a bit lofty, but you know what? So is trying to change the world. So what's that money going to exactly? Improved quality through hopefully buying a new camera and a new mic for the podcast. A little bit of help through podcast editing and maybe some new software for video and for audio editing. Because we all know that quality products are the thing that kind of like make a difference in media, right? Plus, if you subscribe as a patron at $7 a month, You'll also be subscribed to a new project I'm starting called the Reconnect Devo, or the Reconnect Devotional, if you want to go old school with it, but I wanted to make it sound cute. Um, Either way, um, the Reconnect Daily Devotional is going to be a daily practice going straight to your inbox. It's a great way to reconnect with your uh, practices surrounding scripture, or prayer, or meditation, or maybe this is something that you've never started before and you want to get some new spiritual practices. Either way, I'm very excited about writing this. I've been working on it for the past month, and it's been one of the biggest projects I've undertaken, and I know it's going to be enriching for you because, honestly, as I've been working through this stuff, it's been enriching for me. So, not only are you getting something, but you're also giving something. You are helping fund the work of creating LGBTQ Christian content, which is helping other people get a good word about their lives, learn more about scripture, theology, a new way of looking at faith, and a, a new way of engaging with the hard questions that maybe they haven't started to engage with. So, if you want to learn more about that, if you want to become a patron, if you want to support the work of really helping people live better lives, go to patreon.com slash Garcia and learn more about becoming a patron today. And thank you so much again for all your support. Hey there, my name is Kevin Garcia and you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast featuring conversations with ordinary people who are living revolutionary lives. Welcome to episode 37. I'm so glad you decided to join me today and I'm just going to go ahead and just jump in. I don't have a really lot to report besides like, I mean, if you were following me on social media, you know I got my laptop stolen over the weekend, uh, over Pride weekend in Atlanta, which was horrible. And uh, either way, the I got a new laptop, thankfully, because my uh, insurance company is dope. And they were at, so shout out to USAA for that. And uh, yeah, I have a lot to get done in the next couple of days because I'm so far behind in my creative work. But I'm so thankful for you coming and hanging out with me today because today I've got my friend Emily Joy on the podcast. She is a dream come true um, and a good friend. We've been with each, we've uh, we've known each other since before we both came out. We'll get into that in our conversation. 
but uh, I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Anyways, um, this date's coming up. Reformation Project is this coming week, October 26th through the 28th. If you're in Chicago, if you're going to be there, please say hello to me. I'll be working with Reformation Project, probably doing a little bit of uh, social media, a little bit of video, and anything else they really ask me to do. So if you're around, I want to hang out with you. I want to say hello. I want to grab a coffee or something like that. So yeah, hit me up on the Twitter or the Facebook or something and let's chat, okay? Then the next big thing coming up is January, the GCN National Conference. It's going to be in Denver at the end of January. If you are someone who's looking to do some workshops, that those applications are due November 1st. So go ahead, knock those out because it's coming up faster than you think. Especially because you, your Halloween plans, that's what you're really focused on right now. So take some time, knock those out, and I'll see you in January. Oh, and uh, I'm leading worship with Tash Holmes and Darren Calhoun and Gabriel Mudd this year. Again, I feel super pumped about that. So you're not going to want to miss this year. It's going to be incredible. So let me jump into telling you about my friend Emily Joy. Emily and I connected way back before either one of us had come out when I was kind of first trying to make my YouTube channel happen. And she and I became really fast friends and it just kind of grown in our affection for one another over the years. She's a spoken word poet, a yoga teacher in training, and a creative justice enthusiast. Most days you can find her at home in Nashville, writing and dreaming about how to help others, especially other badass women, make spiritual and creative progress in the wake of religious trauma, painful past experiences, and self-doubt. She chases this dream through poetry, blogging, videos, and soon, yoga. She's passionate about this work because, like many of you, for the first 20-odd years of her life, she spent in a conservative religious environments that didn't look too kindly on things like doubt or asking questions or going against the status quo or making mistakes or having a body or drinking alcohol, kissing other humans, affirming other religions, watching movies that said the word damn. I mean, like, that's oddly specific, but yeah, we get it. As funny as that some of it seems now, it can leave a lot of us with serious scars, hang-ups, and even trauma. She's been there. We all have been there. And she's still on the journey, but she is such an amazing person, and she is so vulnerable in how she shares this stuff. About this conversation, we talk about how she's still bisexual, even though she's married to a dude, what's changed in the world since we first came out two years ago. We talk about the Reformation, we talk about the Bible, we really, like, you know, really spread the conversation out over a bunch of different topics, and I think you're going to love it. Just to note about the recording, the quality on my end is not as good as I'd like it to be, because... I'm using a, I used a friend's new mic when recording it, and it wasn't synced up with my recorder, and it was a little annoying, and blah, blah, blah. Either way, you can hear it. It's, it's fine, and that's what's important, right? So, uh, yeah, settle into the conversation with my friend Emily Joy, and I'll see you in just a minute, boo. we did like a like an interview i wasn't out were you even out i was just on the verge of coming out so okay, like so not neither of us there. was out <laughs> that's uh-huh. true neither one of us was out last time we chatted how interesting that's really sweet way to go yeah. us. high five us <laughs> um okay so um for people who don't know your your work or who you are uh give us like a little snapshot of uh you know what, what do people need to know about Emily Joy? Okay. Um, so I am um, I'm a spoken word poet. Uh, I am 
about to be a yoga teacher. Uh, I do social media for a nonprofit here in town. So I wear um, like a whole bunch of different hats. Um, but I like it that way. Um, I go to an Episcopal church now. Um, but I would say like, I, like I struggle with belief, but I really like, but I like church. Um, which is interesting because it's most people just like, they, uh, don't struggle with belief, but they hate church, which is so interesting. I know. Well, I do everything backwards. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but no, I just, I mean, I, like, I, I say this as a joke, but like, but it's kind of true. Like, I just like a place to like bring casseroles, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm like, do I have to believe anything to bring a casserole? No, great. Then I will be there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know. I don't, yeah. Just, you know, when you find there's, when you, there's good places. And so when you find them, I feel like it's good to hold on to them if you can. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, but that's not always been my story. I grew up. Um, very conservative. Um, my dad was a Baptist youth minister when I was born, but he ended up kind of starting his own nonprofit and we sort of traveled a lot for him to speak. So we, we kind of went to all kind of different churches growing up. Um, not like mainland churches uh, and not Catholic, but we kind of got like the whole, like full, uh, conservative Protestant experience. I would say <laughs> like we went to non-denominational churches. We went to um, really charismatic churches. We went to like, you know, Methodist churches out in the middle of the country, like all, all these different kinds of, um, all these different kinds of churches. Uh, the church that was really formative for me during high school was like a non-denominational evangelical mega church. So we sort of got it all, um, the good and the bad. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to Moody Bible Institute for college. Um, and I have, Ayo. I have a degree from there. It's a piece of paper that says that I am um, certified for Christian ministry. Congratulations. Uh, I know. I always like, I don't think this is what they meant. Um, <laughs> but I feel is. like, I feel like I'm still doing it. So it's still on my wall. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Way to certified for Christian ministry. Mm-hmm. That's so nuts. And then, um, I guess, so, um, how did you find your way into, uh, your spoken word poetry? Like how did that um, go? So that was a thing. Uh, I mean, I'd always been writing poetry since I was a kid. I was like a really like, um, like precocious, uh, nerdy kid. And I, I did a lot of writing. Um, and so I always wrote poetry. And then, um, in college I was in a, um, poetry club with like mm-hmm. three or four of the people. It was really small. Um, and, uh, Micah Bournet was in that poetry club. I don't know. Um, a lot of people know him. He does spoken word also. And, um, has done a lot of things with like, uh, the justice conference and a few other places. Um, but he was in that poetry club. We were in school together and introduced me to spoken word. Um, and I was like, this is like, this is a really great art form. And like, this feels like a thing that I could do. Um, and so I tried it and I really liked it. Um, and then I started like performing it at like different poetry events at school and stuff. And like people really responded well to it. And I was like, Oh, like this is, (laughs) This is a way that I can finally be cool for once in my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like poetry can be cool again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not that it wasn't ever not cool, but you know. But I mean, like sonnets and stuff, it's hard to make a sonnet cool, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, so that was kind of that. And so I've just been doing it ever since. Wow. And it's led you to some very interesting spaces too. Like, I think like... I'm trying to remember, like, I think I found you, like, through Micah J. Murray on Twitter and then, like, uh-huh. found your stuff. And that, that's when I was, like, experimenting with YouTube. 
Um, but just like I remember, like when you first recorded um, "All Daughters and Sons," and that was just like m- kind of like mind blowing to me that there was someone that, like you were like one of the first people I think I met like on the outside of evangelical world because I wasn't even outside mm-hmm. of that yet. Yeah, and um, I guess like it's been two years since our first conversation, like. Mm-hmm. What's it, what's it been like for the past two years for you <laughs> growing up and kind of changing yeah. and having your own kind of like, um, not awakening. I feel like you were already there, but just like so much has happened in the past two years. Yeah. Oh my God. I, you know, it's very much like, it's that sense of like exponential growth where it's like, it right. snowballs and it's like more and more and more. Um, yeah, so much has happened in the last two years. God. Um, yeah, it's been a really, um, interesting journey since that and that just so I think the two-year release date of all prodigal daughters and sons either it's coming up or it just passed um I think it just passed because we did I remember we did the we did the kickstarter for it in the fall um okay. and I think I put it out that next summer so I think it just passed um but yeah so I mean it's interesting I think um I don't know if you find this to be true when you're like creating content that is intended for public consumption, Mm -hmm. um, that like it takes, like by the time that I get what I'm trying to say out there, like I, I don't always agree with it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's like, it's like being somebody who creates uh, content online. You have like a front row seat to your own development because it's like, yeah. Cause I was looking Um, back at like my, um, my first ebook that I put out right when I came out of the closet. Yeah. And I was reading through some of it. I'm just like, holy shit. Like, uh, there was like a whole thing about, I actually, like I wrote this and it was in public and it's been public for so long. This is like, I actually think like sex should be saved for two people who are married. And I'm just like, uh, I know. I remember reading that. I remember the part and I was like, that's actually, okay. Talk about things that I, that, um, that I do backwards. I gave up that belief first. Um, yeah. before anybody, before anything else, um, yeah. a, a lot of people give up that one last. Um, yeah, it was, and I, I think like it just it it came with time, like yeah, and like and like trying to be like nuanced and like not scare everybody off at the yeah. same time, but then at the same time still mm-hmm. trying to be true to who you are and like your process. Yeah, and you know, in, and even like even in that, like I think I at least for me, I don't know if this is true for you, but like there's something. It's almost like my heart understands things before my mind does. Like, I know I know what I believe before I can uh, articulate quote, it, articulate it, or even like uh, back it up biblically. Because uh-huh. that, like that's always like the milestone for so many people. Is like, can you? Is it biblical? Can you uh-huh. back it up with scripture? And I'm like, and I'm like, ugh, that's that part is like that's so hard for me because I'm like, okay, like I never know how to how to have that conversation because I'm like, one, like I have a like, do you want me to show you my degree from Moody Bible Institute? Like, yes, I could. I could if I wanted to. But, like, but the other thing is that, like, I'm not necessarily, like, I, I'm hesitant to have that conversation because I'm not necessarily sure that that's the way that we should be modeling how to use the Bible. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, we could have that conversation. If you want to get down with the Greek, like, we can get down into the Greek and talk about how this word doesn't actually mean this and, like, this is a mistranslation from the KJV and like we could get like down to the nitty gritty about it, but I don't want to model using the Bible that way because I'm like, it. I don't want to model using the Bible in such a way that like we have to 
have a proof text for everything that we do and don't approve of in life. I don't think that's how it's meant to be used. And so I always hesitate with that because I understand how important that um, the apologetic aspect of that is for a lot of people, especially as they're making their transition out of, you know, conservative evangelicalism into more liberating ways of thinking about spirituality. Like I get that the, the biblical backup piece is important, but I'm like, it, it concerns me because I don't want to stay there. I'm like, ultimately we have to get around to, to getting to the back end of the Bible, so to speak and say, is this even really how we want to use this? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think that was uh, a big thing for me. And I honestly like, weirdly enough, it was like in the past two years, like coming out, uh, kind of developing a lens for racial justice, mm-hmm. developing a lens for, um, intersectional feminism yeah. um, and just intersectional justice in, in general, I think has been super powerful and wonderful, but at the same time, it's also like, um, you know, it's almost like you're, you're playing two different games with people. So like a lot of your, your like the proverbial you, um, at least a lot of my friends, how it was like, they need the biblical case for everything, you know, they need the biblical uh-huh. understanding. So like, I like, I think a lot of us have made ourselves biblical experts. Oh, hi, puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I feel like, right. a, yeah, I feel like a lot of us have made ourselves like biblical experts because we need to make ourselves biblical experts uh-huh. so that we're legitimate. But at the same time, it's almost like we don't always view scripture in the same light as we used to. Cause for like, so long for me, it was like the Bible is inerrant and there was a literal seven day creation. And that was the view, yeah. like, the view from which I was like moving. And then kind of like developing uh, new ideas, new senses of, of spirituality, looking for truth, not just in like the stories found in the Bible, but like looking for the, the truth below the truth. You mm-hmm. know? Well, and I think when you get to that, to that level of analysis, you start to realize that like the demand for biblical evidence in the face of people's suffering almost to me represents a lack of empathy when I say like, hey, X, Y, Z thing about justice whether it's like sexual justice or racial justice and somebody's like please show me where you see this in the bible it's like that to me that portrays like a fundamental lack of ability to be empathetic with other human beings experiences mm-hmm. um you know and i'm and and that's that's the hard part because that's not a thing that you can um write you, you can't write a book about that you know like you can't really teach people care about other people's experiences you can teach them that the bible doesn't mean xyz but like ultimately we have to get beyond that question Yeah. And I think that's something that like Jesus taught and like modeled for so many people. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's because the law says don't touch anybody who's unclean. Yet Jesus was constantly touching lepers. Yeah. You know, Jesus said Mm -hmm. like the Bible said, don't mix with other, other people. You've heard Uh, it said, but I tell you. Yeah. That's exact thing. And like, I think that that's going to be like a fundamental thing. And like pastor Nadia Boltz Weber said a really dope thing at wild goose i don't know if you remember it but she said that that the big reformation is probably not going to come as a means of being more deeply theological but more deeply pastoral like who is the person in front of me mm, what is the thing yeah. that i need to do to make sure that they are living yeah. a fruitful healthy uh fulfilling life yeah as a uh, kind of people who carry the, these teachings with us uh-huh well you know the real revol- uh revolution is going to happen uh or excuse me, Reformation is going to happen at the 500-year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation next month. Mm -hmm. Uh, Come through. Then we get all of the think pieces about 95 theses for the modern church. Ugh. 
<laughs> I'm gonna come up. We should come up with a bingo board. Oh for the my gosh! Can we do that for uh, for like uh, both sides? For like, yeah, like I the... feel like it'd be safer than a. It, I feel like it'd be safer than a drinking game. Because mm-hmm. if we came up with a drinking game, we'd probably die of alcohol poisoning. But if we yeah. if we came up with a bingo board, yeah, um... what, what a way to go though. <laughs> you know, it's like. I... I was like, I'm like, just leave a note. Just like, if you find me dead with a bingo card in my hand. Please know it was because I read too many Gospel Coalition articles. <laughs> oh my gosh. The Gospel Coalition. I still haven't been blocked by them. And I'm so mm, mad. I've been, I have. I've been trying so hard. I really have. Um, apparently not hard enough. Maybe what I should do is I should hate follow them and just keep responding until they block me. Probably. Yeah. Um, to pivot ever so slightly. Um, one thing that has developed for both you and for me uh, over the past two years has been our coming out stories. Mm-hmm. Um, like I uh, came out as gay and I'm kind of moving towards more identifying as, as queer in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and you um, proudly identify as a bisexual woman. Um, yes. Um, how, I, I had somebody been? interviewed me, somebody interviewed me for an article that just came out a few days ago. Um, and and in the article, uh, I don't know if you follow Sarah Posner on Twitter, but she was the mm-hmm. she was the journalist who wrote it. But in the article, uh, it, she said something about uh, Emily Joy, now twenty six and an out bisexual, living in Nashville. And I was like, I, I guess that's my title now, an out bisexual. Hmm. Um. So did you? This is basically like asking about like when did you know that you were bisexual? And then, um, I guess uh, follow up to that, um going into your marriage was it uh was that a part of the trepidation yeah um uh when did you know uh that so like one of my um (laughs) one of my like deepest vices and also deepest loves is um the bachelor franchise Mm. and uh and always at the end man like they always bring out the person that they like left at the altar and their question to them is always like when did you know when did you know you weren't going to pick me? Um, it's really oh, emotional. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's terrible. Um, but uh, but that's what that reminded me of. But no, uh, so it's funny, you know, a lot of people have these stories of like, I always sort of knew this about myself and it was just this thing that I pushed down. Man, I was genuinely freaking uh, surprised by myself. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and like, it, it sounds like, it sounds really na- like naive to say like, it just wasn't a thing that had occurred to me previously. Um, but it wasn't, uh, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think one of the reasons is that, um, our, our, I think our brain sort of tries to like cushion us from from things that would be deeply harmful to us. And I think myself, you know, like it was hard to come out like after, after already being married, but like as hard as that was, I feel like based on the faith communities that I grew up in, it would have been a whole lot harder if I had known that about myself when I was like 16, you know, like, so to me, I'm like, I think part of it is just like our, I think our brain does try to like protect us from things. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you brain. Um, but I think too, part of it is just like, um, so like in pure culture, which this is like sort of also pivoting, this is a whole other tangent that we can get on, but like in all of the purity culture literature, right? Like all the books, almost none of them ever mention non heteronormative sexuality. Um, yeah, like they're, they're, they're so always also about like, don't have sex. Don't look at pornography. Don't lust, don't make out like whatever, whatever it is. Right. Um, but there's not, 
like the vast majority of the books have either nothing to say about non-heteronormative sexuality or they have like one quick appendix at the end with like a pray the gay away sort of success story mm-hmm. um and that's like as much as is ever devoted to it in the literature and i was like heavily steeped in purity culture and so i think to me part of it was just the fact that like it wasn't really an option mm. like it was never a thing that was con- considered possible i guess yeah it's almost up. like you were conditioned to this is how my sexuality is supposed to look yeah yeah and this is like the path i'm supposed to take and so it's almost like i've actually um i know a few women who and even for myself like um it took me a while to go from like like talk, thinking about like gender for example mm-hmm. um, like i'm currently like in the process of like um figuring out uh how my gender expression or what I want to do with that because like as you know I love painting my nails every now and again I love putting on a face even though I have a beard um and it's a it's a really interesting place and it's almost like because now I have the permission to explore Mm -hmm. these questions about myself or like my brain is like saying like okay it's it's finally safe to safe to come out now yeah like it's uh it's funny you mentioned makeup because I ever since I came out I have worn less makeup than I ever have (laughs) Um, like, uh, I have, like, I don't think I've worn makeup in like the last month. Um, cause it turns out I don't, I don't like it that much. Mm. I just really don't enjoy it. Um, and I think and, like, like ever since like, but yeah, it's, that, ago, it's like... that freedom of like feeling like, Oh, I can express myself how I want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, it's being able to, I think seeing yourself is also a, a big deal. Like seeing mm-hmm. people who express themselves in a way that resonates with you. And mm-hmm. then after that, it's like, oh, oh, I, it's almost like the, I don't know my friend Brett calls it, um, the, the privilege of going second. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes, because somebody else, it's like the thing in class where the teacher asks a question and then it's like crickets, 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 and nobody says something. And then the first person raises their hand and says a thing. And then after that, it's like a deluge. After that, mm-hmm. everybody feels like they can say something. Yeah. It just took the one per Like, the critical mass in that situation is one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely, like, feel that way also. And it's, it's just so interesting. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, interesting. Do you, um, do you ever get pushback from people being married to a man and uh, being, uh, being bisexual and, like, being so vocal about being bisexual? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've had a lot of like really interesting conversations with people. I wouldn't call it feedback, but more just like a lot of, so like to, to continue, like my story is that like, I was genuinely surprised by myself mm-hmm. when I was, and then of course, you know, after I was like, Oh, I'm probably bi. Then I started thinking about like the rest of my life prior to then. And I was like, Oh, maybe that's why I got so obsessed with like some of these friendships and like mm. these sorts, you know, like this. It kind of starts filling in the blanks yeah. for certain things then, in the past. Then I was like, "Oh, that kind of makes sense a little bit." Like that, and then I was like, "Then I started looking at you know, pictures of myself, and I was like, how did I not know?'" Um, so it, <laughs> that's the same thing too. Yeah. No, ultimately, I got to that place where I was like, "Okay, this this makes sense in like a somewhat coherent narrative of my life." But at the time, like right when I first was like, "I'm probably by," I was like, "What? Where did that come from?" And and so like, my husband is like my friend like I love him deeply but like we're also just like we get along so I like went home and I told him like hey I'm by like an hour later right like this is it wasn't like this thing where I like kept this (laughs) secret forever and ever I was like hey um so 
he responded really um, supportively and positively to that. And so after that, and I had a whole bunch of other, like, um, at that same time, I had a bunch of, like, other personal turmoil going on in my life unrelated mm-hmm. to sexuality. So I kind of didn't really get to, like, process it a whole lot until, like, several months later. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's been, now it's been, uh, what is now, September? So it's been a year and a half since I came out. Mm. Um, but I didn't really get to start processing it until about a year ago because I had a bunch of other stuff going on. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, it was, it was interesting how that came about. So I didn't start writing about it like online until like last winter, um, yeah. even though I've been out for a few months at that point. And it, it had taken me that long to like then start and tell like my friends and start having like private conversations with it. Um, but I noticed in that time, from the time that I came out to my husband to the time that I started writing about it, um, I think one of the reasons that pushed me to finally start writing about it was that um, I, I, I searched the internet for hours. Like, I'm one of those people that, like, if I want to find out, like, more information about something, I will fall down the bottomless abyss of the internet, like, <laughs> in, into all kinds of, like, new articles. And here's this other topic and this totally unrelated thing that I find really fascinating. And then before you know it, I'm like, you know, looking up things about like galaxies and black holes, 8 million light where light years away in space, right? Like that's, that's how I interact information yeah. on the internet. Um, or I'm like in WebMD thinking I'm going to die, right? Like, yeah, so same, that, same, same, same. Yeah. So, um, so I, I spent hours on the internet last summer and last fall, like trying to find people who were in my situation and I couldn't find anyone. Like Be, was, uh, being a bisexual woman, being a bisexual woman a and married to a man who was supportive of me, hmm. who loved me. Cause there was a lot of people who like, I I'm bisexual and I came out and my husband was like, I can't be with you anymore. So we're getting divorced. Right. Wow. Um, and then there was a lot of people who, um, were in like polyamorous relationships, um, which is fine, but is not like, that's not my story. Right. Yeah, of um, course. so I was like, I'm like my husband's supportive. Like I'm not trying to divorce him. I love him. Um, but we're all monogamous. And so what does that look like? And particularly, what does that look like coming out of a religiously sexually repressed environment? Because that adds a whole nother layer to it, right? Because I hadn't ever dated a girl, you know, like, and I, like I, I had had like crushes on girls now, as I look back and realize that, but I had never yeah. had a girlfriend, you know, this kind of stuff. And so like, so so what does that look like coming from like this super repressed environment to be in a monogamous long-term relationship? And then, and then also said, I was like, nobody's really talking about this. But, like, but if bisexuality is valid, then it's valid for me too. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. because our sexuality can't be based on what our current gender of our partner is or what our past gender of our partner is, because otherwise then we would all have no sexuality until we had our first sexual partner. Right. Like, right. And we know, we know that's not how that works. And there's a whole reason there was a whole host of reasons why that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, if bisexuality is valid, then it's valid for me too. Um, Mom. and so it's really interesting. So I started writing about it and I was like, okay, like this is, and, and part of it was because I wanted to, I like, I wanted to be true to myself. Right. Because, it was, it, part of it was a mental health thing. Like there's low levels of mental health associated with not coming out. And like, um, so part of it was like, I'm trying to be true to myself. I'm trying to be honest about who I am. Um, I went to a, a lecture at Vanderbilt, uh, last, last year. Um, there's a woman, her name is Glenn Thomas and she's a UCC theologian, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she, 
Um, I think she was married to a man and then came out as lesbian and married a woman. Um, but she posed this question at, um, at the lecture that I went to of how addicted am I to um, white heterosexual Christian approval? Girl, yes. And it like haunted me. Like it stuck in the back of my head and I was like, how, how addicted am I to approval? Right? Because um, I could just say nothing and have people think I'm straight and never subject myself to that kind of scrutiny, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was part of the coming out. Um, but also, I, as I started to write about it, like, I, I was texting you last night about this, but like, for every one thing that I put out on the internet about bisexuality, I've got a couple of women at least emailing me, mm-hmm. being yes. like, that's also my story. I also came from purity culture. I'm married to a dude. I'm bisexual, but like, what's the point of coming out, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, this is so many people's stories. And so the more that I started writing about it, and the more of those emails that I got, I was like, holy cow, like, this is a huge, like, thing that is being overlooked mm-hmm. in our in our conversations about sexuality, and people are hungry to be seen in this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Gosh, that's a, that's huge. That's so huge. Like, how addicted are you to white, heteronormative Christian approval? Because, uh-huh. like, because I feel like for so long in this movement for LGBTQ justice, it's been about um, kind of a, kind of appeasing the, the status quo, you know? Like, yeah. it's just like, how do we, you know, okay, so we're going to work from the framework that the Bible is inerrant and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And that's where we're going to work from to get them to like us and approve of us. Yeah. And while, yeah, that's like a stepping stone to get certain people there. Like at the end of the day, like there's so much more, like it's again, like you keep saying, we have to be moving beyond Mm -hmm. these like small trivial things because at the end of the day, like we've got people out there who are holding onto these secrets that are holding them down, like Uh millstones around their neck. Yep. And um, there's like a line from actually my therapist brought this up in, uh, in my session this week. She said, you know, we're only as sick as the secrets that we keep is, uh-huh. which is something from the 12 step program. And I love God, therapy. Uh, I, uh, I love it. Like I love, um, doing kale. A, yeah. I love it. Like, like doing a juice cleanse. Uh-huh. Um, because like, I know at first, like it's gross and not gross. Like it's actually kind of delicious, but I'm so I feel like I'm depleted. Uh-huh. Um, but then at the end of it, like I feel so much better. So it's, it's, it's like, it's like the, by declaring our secrets, it's like, that's the key to other people's freedom. And like, I say mm-hmm. this a lot is um, when we tell our story, we set other people free to tell theirs and we yep. don't know who is seeing the things that we say. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I get so I've many been emails. so surprised by people who email me and like, I'm like you, but like, it just goes to show there's no like, there's no like one type of person that experiences mm-hmm. this, you know, like it's across the board. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's all types. It's, uh, it's pastors, it's pastors, wives, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's teens, like, you know, sitting in the, the pews of their church. And yeah. like, that's why I'm so thankful that like, that I've had people who have been cheering me on this whole time because now yeah. like we're creating spaces for other people. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, and it's nuts. We're actually like in a couple of weeks at my, um, at my house church, we're going to actually talk about sex Yay. and our sexual ethics. And like, you know, what do we think as a community about this? Like, you know, you're going to break up the boys and the girls and have the boys talk uh-huh. about porn and the girls talk about boys. 
Yeah, absolutely, because that's a good Christian way to do it. Um, and we're going to talk about, we're actually going to pass out purity rings at the end of it and have all yes. the girls sign something um, uh, or whatever. <laughs> no, um, but like, um, it's something that we are going to start discussing because like our house church is mostly queer and yeah. fairly progressive. So it's like, but oddly enough, we still have like a li- like little blips of like uh, conservative hangover. Um, oh yeah conservative hangover it's like a champagne hangover but worse (laughs) oh my gosh yeah so it's like you know how do I get these uh these queer white boys who have grown up in in purity culture and still basically I think it's really interesting and this is something that I encounter um in a lot of like um I guess like uh, queer evangelical circles, yeah, um, or people who have come out of that. Is that like people a lot of the time, especially I, I think it's like in proximity to whiteness and maleness. Mm-hmm. Is like if you if you still have those privilege areas, you have no reason to question anything else, and so yeah. you can still kind of a uh, you still kind of have to be like like you're pretty much still like a fundamentalist in every way, except for you think being gay is okay. And even in uh-huh. that, like, and even yeah. in that it's like, people don't really have the, they don't know why they think it's okay. They just know it, which is like beautiful and good and whatnot. But it's like, again, the question of moving beyond stuff. Is... Yeah. Well, it was, it, it's the same impulse behind like, okay. Yes. So like marriage between people, of various genders is now legal. And there was a lot of people who kind of like, stop paying attention after that because it's like oh that's the fight right and it's Mm -hmm. like no it's so much bigger than that it's so much bigger than that um and there's so many other like like well first i mean first of all just like intersecting identities with Mm non-heterosexual marriage although i don't like to say like heterosexual marriage or like or like or even like gay marriage or because i'm like my marriage doesn't have an identity like people have sexual orientations I like I have I have a sexual orientation. You have a sexual orientation. And my marriage, marriage is my marriage is an abstract concept mm-hmm. uh, that I've assigned meaning to. That I have assigned meaning to. That cultures assign meaning to. For which I get attacked for like whatever, right? But like <laughs> my my marriage doesn't have a sexual orientation. Um, so I, I try to avoid like saying yeah. that. But um, but yeah, it's it's it's, and I think it's a lot of it has to do with both conservatism and like purity culture hangovers yeah. from that because still mm-hmm. a lot of people like I know so many, and I guess because like uh, gay dudes just kind of flock together and like we're, <laughs> um, we're desperately trying to get more queer women in our circles. Yeah. Um, but like I notice, especially for I guess it's just my experience, like that purity culture it doesn't just affect ladies in this in this scenario. Mm-hmm. It deeply affects women, yeah. probably more adversely than men. But, like, I think there's a lot of mindsets that are still hung over from purity yeah. culture. Yeah, well, it just heyday. affects men in a different way. Like, men, I feel like, get, um, like, emotionally and um, sexually stunted through purity culture teachings and, like, the the ability to, like, connect with others in a non-sexual way. I feel like gets stunted. Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, yeah, you know, like, there's, I, I, it definitely harms men also just, I feel like, in a different way. But, like, I, yeah, it, it, and I think you can see that carry over. I think probably for me one of the biggest temptations of like like trying to be like uh, a person with like I'm like I'm trying to have good theology and like good politics and all this stuff and it's like it's so easy to take the um the structure of evangelical fundamentalism and replicate it in our progressive circles but just like have better like like voting habits basically I'm like 
Wow. I'm like, I've got like some better political beliefs now, but like, it's still easy for me to like replicate the structure of fundamentalism. Um, and, and the, the, even the homogeneity of, of evangelical Christianity, like it's very easy to carry that over and have technically better, like abstract beliefs, but, um, Mm -hmm. but it's like, but it's just like, what is this? And I think the thing I always kind of come back to is the question is like pastorally, how does this affect the people who are right in front of me? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like what, what good is it doing for this little house church that I've started? Like if me and my partner aren't having sex, that's like, another like another thing, like I heard, uh, so Nadia Boltzweb, I know I'm like stuck on her right now. So I apologize (laughs) for like fangirling, but she was in Atlanta and she, during the question and answer session, like was talking about, um, about purity culture and about how purity culture has affected the lives of her parishioners. Yeah. And she kind of posed that question of just like, you know, what good is it for my parishioners if I'm not having sex with my partner? Yeah. Or, um, and I think that we can go even further, like, you know, not like, not like, and I'm not trying to like, again, like, cause I guess like when we're playing the game, like we have to have the Bible in there. Yeah. Um, cause like, I want to ask the question and like, these are questions I've started asking for a while now is that like, you know, what, like, what, what is your theology doing in the practical lives? And I think that always needs to be the question. Cause if you're well, saying that I need to save my sex till marriage. Yeah. What it, like what uh, like what good is that doing for people? Well, um, and the reality is that the answer to that question is always something. And I think the problem is people think sometimes the answer can be nothing. Like we can separate out people's beliefs from their from like the effects of those beliefs or their behavior or like you know it's like the impulse besides, besides saying like oh like he has all these terrible beliefs and he's like racist and homophobic but he's a good person mm-hmm. and it's like okay but like you can't separate out somebody's like racist and homophobic beliefs from like their good personness because their racist and homophobic beliefs are always going to trickle down. There's never going to be a person yes. who, has, who has racist and homophobic beliefs who that never bleeds into how they treat other people or how they move through the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I'm like, okay, like we're all image bearers, right? Like, I don't mean like, I don't mean like they don't have value in the eyes of the universe. I mean, like we can't just, separate out people's beliefs from their actions because what you do is what you believe yeah that's actually like a super like bonhoeffer talked about that all the time oh did he yeah so like it, basically bonhoeffer says in oh the price of discipleship or the cost of discipleship mm. um which my friend austin Hartke. Ah. Uh, yeah austin suggested it to me and i picked it up and i was like holy fridge toast i love austin um but it was this idea like bonhoeffer basically had this opinion that um that if you believe you will do what Christ says, but if you don't believe, um, but, but if you don't do what Christ says, but you say that you believe you actually don't believe. And I think it's the same thing for anything. <laughs> Not else. only is that very Bonhoeffer, that's also very epistle of James. <laughs> yeah. It's the same. And I think that's like, that needs to like, I want that to trickle down into everything. Mm-hmm. Else. So it's like, you know, uh, put your money, put your body where your politics are, put your money where your mouth is. Like, if you, you know, if you say that you're not racist, prove it. Yeah. Then you don't know? do racist things. And if you're doing a racist thing, stop doing a racist thing. You know, like. It, or like, and like, check yourself, apologize yeah. and keep going. But just like, don't just say, I'm not a racist. I have black friends. That, what? No, that's not how this works. Yeah. Or like, I'm not homophobic or I'm not transphobic or I'm not biphobic or, but like. I just like, believe the Bible. 
I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's the biggest thing. I'm just like, I just like, I only want to do what the Bible says. I'm like, bitch, no. <laughs> okay, but I'm like, which Bible? Whose interpretation? Like, I. I and that's how- the thing. It's just like, but they're yeah. just like, just like I listen to John Piper. Okay, it's like I know that I'm holy, so. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, where is it in the Bible that says everything that comes out of John Piper's mouth is the correct interpretation? My God, there's there's been so, or like... Show um, me that verse. Yeah, John Piper one. <laughs> or, or two John Piper. Um, there is, um, like, even, I think that's, and I think that's where even, like, so many well-meaning, um, uh, polite moderates love to live. Yeah. Is in this space of um just like like they like they want so badly to start moving in a certain direction. Um but it's because of that that marriage or that that need for like white heteronormative Christian approval uh-huh. that looks a very certain way that we don't make any progress. Um, and so like, even like I sit in like the pews of the church that I attend right now and like some weeks are spot on because we're talking about racial justice. We're talking about poverty. We're talking about women. We're doing all like, it was like, this is the week that we're going good. And then like, we'll have a week. It's like, we're going to talk about sex this week. And I'm just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, and like, there's like, no, it's not, it's not just, it's like, they want to play the game in certain areas, but they don't want to like, they won't fully yeah because like i think like the the reformation that we're all kind of longing for is not going to be one that is um or at least a reformation or an awakening or a revival as we used to say <laughs> like if we're, if we're not talking about a revival I love a good revival girl i'm ready for a revival and like <laughs> like it's like i don't want a revival because like that kind of that makes me think that we're going back to something that we've lost and i'm just like no like uh-huh. you know it's this idea of reformation or, or like, or, or even resurrection. I would take that because like, yeah. Yeah. I when would... I was a kid, uh, my dad preached at a revival every summer. Um, Ooh. it was a scheduled revival that happened at the same time. A scheduled, re- a scheduled <laughs> go, revival. That's going to be this episode's at, context. Go preach at the annual revival. My dad would every summer. And it was always out in this like barn in the middle of nowhere that had no air conditioning so we had those like old school fans with jesus on them like you know the ones with white jesus on the fans and oh, then, like, the, the hand fans yeah the hand fans on the bible verse on the back and you'd like fan yourself with them mm-hmm. um and there was like always a tornado in always. the wings like because we we're like in illinois um and uh man when i think of revival i think of the annual the annual revival out in the barn with the jesus fans the jesus fans <laughs> Um, but like, that's like the one thing like I, I'd really want to see is just like, is like white moderate pastors, um, or just white moderate Christians in general, getting to this place where it's not just about your one thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not just like, Oh, I finally figured out what black lives matter means. I'm woke. Um, mm-hmm. but like, it's like a, a continuous commitment and recommitment to the collective liberation of oppressed beings and not just humans but uh how we we treat animals how we treat our environment like Mm because like what does it say the entire earth is crying out and and i think like you know we're on the cusp of that and like what's oh yeah the earth is telling us she's tapped out yeah 
So we're going to send a whole <laughs> bunch of hurricanes and knock your shit out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's going to be, I mean, interesting is the word that I always go to when, like, I don't want to assign, like, the word bad or good to it. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's true, though. No, you look at you look at the, the crazy stuff happening climate wise. And like, if you don't look if you don't look at that and go, oh, my God, this is nature telling us like we have gone too far. Like, and I don't mean that in like a God sent Hurricane Katrina to punish New Orleans way. I mean, like when you throw a bunch of crap into the air, mm-hmm. the temperature goes up and then storms get worse. Like that's science. Right. Like, And so this yeah. is the earth saying, like, we need to slow down. Yeah. It's going to be a time. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, there's like one other thing I wanted to. Purity culture. Yeah. Bisexuality think... coming out. Yeah. Um, if we could. So real, real quick. Um, yeah. To do like a, a pivot, I guess, to just like, like, like we kind of like have touched on purity culture a little yeah. bit here and there, but like, uh, for someone who doesn't know, like, or is unaware of what purity culture is defined as, like, give me a, like a quick little definition. Yes. Okay. So purity culture is the belief. Well, there's a lot of tangential beliefs, but I would say at core purity culture is the belief that, um, in order to not be sinning against God, everybody has to be compulsorily, um, abstinent from all sexual contact unless and until they enter into a monogamous heterosexual marriage from which they can never get a divorce like it's the belief compulsory abstinence until heterosexual marriage is what i would some purity culture up as um now Mm -hmm. there's there's tangential beliefs around that surrounding like being anti-lgbt and then um there's like the whole brand of like modesty culture around purity culture where like women have to dress a certain way to not cause men to stumble there's a whole bunch of like tangential like bubbles i would say off of it but i would say the core is um compulsory abstinence until heterosexual marriage yeah and there was something interesting that started coming up uh uh, what's his name who's his name josh johnny what's his face who wrote i kiss dating goodbye Oh, Josh Harris. Josh Harris. So Josh yeah. Harris is like creating uh, a documentary. Oh my God! Yeah, he wanted like thirty thousand dollars on Kickstarter. Um, Did he raise it ever? I don't know? know. Can we Google that? I'm Google I never. That. Okay, Google it and find out. Um, no. So he was asking for like thirty thousand dollars, um, to like, and for people to basically create free content for them too. Like he wanted people to like send him videos and like send him stories and all this stuff. And I was like, mm, like I'm a person that markets myself on the internet. I know what you're doing. You're getting yourself free content and copy mm-hmm. without having to write stuff. But, um, but he, he wanted $30,000 and a whole bunch of people's stories so that he could imp- like, uh, like discover the impact of his stuff later on because for, so a couple of years ago, he started to interact with people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like somebody tweeted at him like, Hey, I wasn't allowed to go to prom because of your book. And he was like, I'm sorry. And then like, there was a couple other like media things that he did where it made it seem like he was sort of possibly going to be like maybe rethinking some of the stuff that he did. But in the description of the Kickstarter, then, it, then he comes out with this Kickstarter and he's like, uh, you know, I still like, he basically still holds to like the conservative position. He pretty much admitted to it and was like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't really care if you like, because some of the people think that, like, the problem with purity culture was, like, how it was explained, right? Because there was a lot of people who were, like, 
really um, aggressive about it, right? And they were mm-hmm. they would they would go on these speaking tours and say like, if you have sex before marriage, you're like chewed up gum, and you're like unsticky tape that doesn't stick anymore, and you're a present opened, and nobody wants to reopen a present that's already been, and all this like really like aggressive sort of gross stuff, right? And some people think that like that's the problem with purity culture is that like mm-hmm. people t- people took this teaching that was like inherently good and just kind of ran with it and like didn't put enough emphasis on like grace and the fact that like God could forgive you and you're not ruined forever and blah 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 right yeah and I'm like that's not the problem with purity culture like the problem with purity culture is purity culture the problem with purity culture is the teaching like whether yeah, you're the actual whether, content itself whether you're nice about it or mean about it I don't really care. And so I was like, I don't really want Joshua Harris to have $30,000 to tell me that, like, I'm still sinning, but in a nicer way, you know? Yeah. Um, did, it, did it work? What's Google say? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. So, uh, 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 and they, they met and exceeded their goal. And apparently Why? they're trying. Uh, because purity culture run deep. Can and people like, with and, disposable income support something else? Yeah, support me or Emily with your disposable <laughs> income. You know what? Because we out here trying to make the world a better place. We're trying we won't to, like, tell you you're sinners. Yeah, well, we, we probably you... will, but not for that. Yeah, you know, your 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 racism, your sex, your heterosexism, mm-hmm. all that stuff, your biphobia. We're totally going to call you out on that. But you know what? You can still <laughs> eat dinner with us. We'll still uh-huh. share a drink with you and, like, we'll help you work through that. But, like, what my biggest, I think my biggest critique of, and, like, I think this is also one of yours is, like, again, content is bullshit. But yeah. then on top of that is that uh, the creators of I Kiss Dating Goodbye, like, they're not willing to sit down with people who have an incredible, like, the, the critical and the critical lens that you and I do, um, or actually sit down and hear the stories of people like you and I. And it says right here, like, in, like, the little caption, this is 20 years after I Kiss Dating Goodbye, Joshua uh-huh. Harris encounters critics and fans on his quest for new insight into Christian dating. And, like... It's not even about Christian dating. It is about no. the fact and that... No, and that was what's funny, that he made that book like it was about dating, right? Because, like, dating, I guess I guess his beef was, like, dating is when you get in a car with somebody of the opposite sex, and then you, like, go park in a movie theater and make out, like, mm-hmm. I guess. was, the, And he was like, that's the problem. And it's like, that book wasn't even about dating. Like... Yeah, that dating was about... That book was about sex. What you do with your body. Yeah, like and dating is a relatively recent like construct, right? Like dating and practice in America is like relatively recent and the sum total of human history. But like, that's not really what we're hung up on. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm thinking about just like how I'm still thinking of like things like John Eldred's just like, um, captivated and, uh-huh. um, what was the one for dudes? Of course I would remember the one for girls. Wild at heart. Wild at heart. Wild at heart. That's it. Yeah. But just, like, all these things that are not just, like, steeped in, uh, you know, just about dating, but just, like, about sexuality and gender. And it's, like, it's all patriarchy rewrapped in, like, a beautiful Mm -hmm. bow and good branding. And because it's And I'm, like, your website is fancy, but your theology sucks. And ain't that always the way, though? Like, I looked at the Nashville Statement. Oh, their website was so great, though. That was my biggest... I was, like, looking at it, and I was, like, this is... I'm, like, which... Which one of you assholes out there who's probably a queer also designed this website and took the money? I know. And I was like, but should I take money from them? But like, God, it was such a wreck. But but uh, but the website was so fancy. I remember that was my first thought when I saw the Nashville Statement because the Nashville Statement itself was nothing new. Like there was no, oh, no. there was no original content in that whatsoever. I yeah. scrolled through and I was like, oh, same old, same old. But I was like, this website 
for this website though. I'm just like, that's really the true betrayal out there. It's because all of us designers out here were just like, who? Who did somebody, this? Somebody did that. Yeah, well, you know, there's a special place in um, figurative hell for people like that. <laughs> what is done in the darkness will come to light. Yes, God, come through. <laughs> On the other side of forever, like, uh, you know, Paul's going to be waiting. Or who's at the gate of heaven? Apparently. Peter, I think. Peter. Peter going to be standing there just like, oh, I know hello. you designed the Nashville statement website. It's like, you know, you did really good and you repented, but just like, oh, you, you designed the Nashville statement website, didn't you? <laughs> and, and then he's going to be like, my bad. He's like, Okay, come have a drink. You're fine. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, I don't want to keep you because we're, we're getting close to an hour. Um, I've really, really enjoyed chatting with you and catching and like really like having time to pick your brain and catch up on so many things after two years um, of us uh, being friends. I know. How's your mental health? Because mine's a lot better two years later. Oh, um. that's a that's that's real. Um, yeah. So I can I'm able to focus on things that are not uh-huh. my sexuality. So that's cool. Yeah, um, I'm in therapy. I'm going to yoga teacher training. I'm mm. like, I don't know. I don't have panic attacks anymore. We're doing oh my good. gosh! Same thing. Okay, so here, yeah. here's here's the tea. Um, so I used to get migraines all the time from the time I was. Um, a teen, which was like right around when I started figuring out that I was attracted to boys, like I was, I would get migraines like almost on a monthly basis. And after, mm-hmm. I, after I came out, I haven't had a migraine in two years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've only had, I used to have panic attacks, like, like on a multi, multi panic attack a week basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the last year, I've had a couple in the last year, but like, like really reasonable ones. Like for example, on November, November 8th. Good um, God. Yeah. Like, like when anybody would have had a panic attack, right? But like, other than like super duper, like, oh, this makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I have not had them with anything near the frequency that I used to. And I'm like, this is probably because I'm like being myself and like getting help and like moving my body and like eating a vegetable occasionally and like yeah. not speaking to toxic people. Like, all, and it's like, wow, so crazy. Like, when you follow. <laughs> When you follow good advice and you do things that are healthy for you, your body stops rebelling against you. What the hell? Yeah, that's like a big thing too is like Mm -hmm. I use that block button and that unfollow and unfriend button liberally Mm -hmm. because it's just like – and then like every now and again I'll have a person like reach out to me and say like, why did you unfriend me? And it's like because you probably said something on the internet that was triggering and I don't want that in my newsfeed. People, if you're listening to this, it's okay to block your friends or people who might be sort of your friends but not really your friends anymore because mm-hmm. you've progressed to a higher plane of understanding. Yeah. Well, and you know, I try to have, like, sometimes, like, I get, I don't know, this is like another tangent, but I get, like, so, I get kind of upset when people, like, sort of um, downplay social media conversation about stuff because I'm like, you know, you're probably, if you're arguing with, like, a terrible person, you're probably not going to convince them, mm-hmm. but... When you do that, there's like ten other people watching, right? Yeah. Who are not liking, who are just silently. I was that person for years. I just watched these conversations go down, and that's how I learned a lot of um, the things that I've learned in the last couple of years. You know, has been by just watching conversations between other people. Um, so I'm like, I want those conversations to take place, but I'm also like, it's not your job to like educate somebody who says you're going to hell. So I don't know. I try to. There's some people that I'll have conversations with, um, but like there's some people that I won't, I don't know. I feel like it's a thing that like needs discretion on, you mm-hmm. know, but I feel like for the most part, people don't block enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my, that's my belief. It's just like, 
And also, like, I think it's just, like, I, the people who, like, well, I think about this as, like, the people who need my content will find it. Uh-huh. And the people who are going to troll my content, I don't need them around, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, before we hang up, uh, oh, uh, I did have, like, one more question. Okay. But it's probably, like, maybe for a whole different time. Uh, the word bisexual versus, like, the word queer. Ah, like, yes. I don't know why I didn't think of that sooner. Like, why, why, yeah. why bisexual and not queer? Because everyone's okay. lessons are, or reasons are so, different. I'm just curious. I use queer um, mm-hmm. sometimes. And I, this, is a, this is an ongoing conversation with myself that mm-hmm. I have. Because um, I think, so sometimes I say queer when I don't want to say bi. And I think that's internalized biphobia on my part. Like, as I, as I think about it later, I'm like, oh, I just didn't want to say bisexual mm. because, like, I have my own internalized shit to deal with, right? Yeah. For, you know, 20 plus years of growing up in a biphobic society, right? So, right, 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 right. So you have to deal with that stuff. Even, like, you can have internalized stuff that causes you to be, like, oppressive towards yourself, I guess, you yeah. know? Um, I'm like, sometimes I just say queer because I don't want to say bi because I'm dealing with my internalized biphobia. And that's an ongoing journey and an ongoing conversation I'm having with myself. However... Um, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes because there's biphobia also within the queer community. Yeah. Um, sometimes I say queer, like if I feel like that will shield me from having questions asked mm-hmm. or like being judged, I guess. Cause I've had like, um, like I have had people who are not bi who, have questioned like what like who like ask me questions trying to ascertain if I'm like like queer enough I guess you know like like do you really mean this like I don't know like some people think that like queer identity is like a trendy club yeah that people want to be in and so they'll like lie about their sexuality in order to like be in the club Hmm. Um, which is like also internalized by phobia and queer phobia. Right. I think, I mean, I think I used to judge people like that, like a few years ago and maybe like have those questions like silently to myself. Um, but I think it was also like my own internalized stuff at the time too, you know? So like, there's, there's a whole lot of things that go into it. I think sometimes it is my internalized stuff, but sometimes I feel like because there is biphobia within the queer community, like yeah. sometimes I don't want to have questions asked or like I've had, um, a queer people refer to me as an ally before mm. that sort of thing where it's like, I, but then I, then I have to, you know, I have to go back and explain the thing of like, I'm married to a dude. Right. But like, mm-hmm. this is my, this is still my identity. Right. Um, you know, and sometimes that feels like a lot of um, emotional work. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I, but like, I, I definitely, I, I feel like I relate in, in some yeah. way because like I sometimes like, you know, I like, publicly identify as gay i say yeah. i say gay and queer because like if i'm going because like, again depending on the circles i'm talking to it is much easier for you know heteronormative christianity to just like oh kevin's gay that makes yeah. sense to me dude uh-huh. on dude yeah um, but then <laughs> yeah um but then if i say something like oh i'm queer like oh what does that mean i said well yeah for me like i am mostly attracted to uh to 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 men or uh cisgender men but then also I found myself attracted to uh, trans men, trans women, um, non-binary folk, um, mm-hmm. queer women who are more masculine presenting. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I have like I have all these different kinds of weird places and that's not strictly uh, hom- homosexuality yeah. or, or, mm-hmm. or being gay. Like, yeah. um, so like for me, like, you know, that kind of like 
uh, in between or that kind of ambiguity mm-hmm. for me helps out a lot. But then at the same time, I wonder, it's like, it's like, or does that mean because like bisexuality means I'm attracted to genders like myself and not like myself? So does that mean I'm actually bisexual and I'm just not owning up yeah. to it because of my own internalized biphobia? And then at the uh-huh. same time, if I am feeling somewhat gender fluid, does that mean that I'm strictly like, you know? That still falls under the bisexual umbrella, so it's like, yeah. What do well, I do I don't know with about that? You, but like, I experience my bisexuality like very differently depending like on like the day or the week. Like, I find it feels different to me on a day by day and a week by week yes. basis. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like some some weeks, I'm like, I like I'm attracted to like all the women in the whole world. I love women, blah blah. blah. But then other times, I'm like, I'm really attracted to dudes. Like, it just it very much is like it's very flowy um, mm-hmm. and wibbly wobbly and like yeah and know, I think that's like flows the, over time and that's how I feel like because like this week I'm current I'm currently wearing what one make cla- like a uh, will and grace but in 1998 um, <laughs> to make a pop culture reference in a moment so like uh, oh, I, I didn't ne- get to watch will and grace I wasn't allowed oh neither was I and so like the new one came out and like I watched the new episode with with my boyfriend and I cracked up that shit's funny man I feel like um, I, I feel like like I was like everybody is talking about it but I was like is this even going to make sense to me if I watch it? I feel like I have to watch oh, yeah. all the other like eight seasons from the nineties in order no. for it to make any sense. There's also an episode of on the Nancy podcast where they talk about it um, and kind of give you like, this is what it was. This is how it was problematic. This is like, but like, this is why people still love it. Oh. Let's see what happens. Maybe that um, would be helpful if I just watched or if I just listened to that to like catch up. Yeah. And it's only like a 28 minute episode. So it's catch up on eight years of pop culture. Yeah, so I think, um, but then, like, I watched, like, the very first episode um, of, like, season one, episode one from 1998, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I own jeans just like that. (laughs) Um, And so, like, I put them on today, and, like, I'm wearing boots and, like, just uh, a plain t-shirt, and now I'm going to go move my my stuff from my old apartment, (laughs) so I'm feeling hella butch, but then, like, I go to a space like GCN where there's, like, a permission to be super gay mm-hmm. i queen out mm-hmm. and so it's like the same sort of thing it's like depending on the circumstance depending on the uh-huh. day of the week yeah well and i would say now that you mentioned that i'm probably most likely to use the word queer in like queer spaces and probably most likely to use like bisexual like i use bisexual when i go and like speak places mm-hmm. um i wonder why that is that's a thing that i should look into just try mm-hmm. to observe myself neutrally without judging because I'm in yoga teacher training. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm currently doing a, a yoga thing with one of my friends, Abby Robbins. And I'm doing like, it too, Kevin. Oh my gosh. Observing myself right now. I'm just like. Yeah. Is that not so hard? Well, here, Abby, if you're listening, this is me neutrally observing my thoughts and feelings without passing judgment on them. Look at us. We're just. <laughs> Abby, do you want to be on my podcast? Great. I'll see you soon. <laughs> That was my conversation with my friend Emily Joy. You can find her on all social media at Emily Joy Poetry, on her website, emilyjoypoetry.com, and you can find her spoken word album, All Prodigal Daughters and Sons, on Bandcamp and on her website. That's everything for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with some dope conversations for sure. Be sure to connect with me at thekevingarcia.com, and if you want to leave some comments or some feedback, that's where you can do it. And, uh, Honestly, I'd love to hear from you. So if you have any ideas for future shows, people you want me to interview, people you want to put me in contact with, uh, you can do that uh, through the website. 
pretty simple. You know how to use the internet, right? You are listening to a podcast right now. And also, another word uh, about the whole sustaining partnership thing. If you w- believe that this work is important, if this conversation is life-giving to you, uh, you should support it because it's what we need to do in these hard times. And to do that, you can simply go to thekevingarcia.com slash support, or you can go to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia and learn how you can become a sustaining partner. Remember, if you want to get in on the Reconnect Devo, you need to subscribe and become a patron before the 1st of November. You got me? Cool. And on top of that, if you don't have the quan to just support people willy-nilly, because I know some people are counting pennies like me sometimes, do me a favor. Go to iTunes uh, and rate the show. Leave five stars. Tell people what you think of it. Share it on social media. That's an easy way to support the show and the work we're doing here because, honestly, reviewing it does help get the show in front of people and sharing, obviously, the videos and the, the blogs gets it in front of people as well. So, do that for me if you don't mind. Lord knows we need more safe places for queer people and progressive humans. Am I right? That's it. That's all from me. So thanks so much. Go see your therapist. Do some yoga. Take a walk. Go get your nails done. Go dancing. Eat something delicious and don't count the calories. Unless like that's the season you're in right now. In which case like I fully support what you're doing. So you do you boo boo. Anyways, I'll see you in Chicago. And remember my friends, God loves you. So you should love you as well. My name is Kevin Garcia. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Mwah. leave a note just like if you find me dead with a bingo card in my hand please no it was because i read too many gospel coalition articles